So, uh, one thing, hashtag eat more oysters. There you go. Just want everybody to hear that. Eat more oysters. The nutritionist said it, okay? It helps your sperm count. <laughs> it's natural. It's not Hey, what's going on, good people? This is Gardner Douglas, and I'm your Oyster Ninja still. They haven't fired me yet. I'm still here. I'm still shucking oysters, still talking about these oysters. And uh, speaking of talking about these oysters, I owe a huge apology to the class I did in D.C. Um, I had a little brain fart. Yeah, you can't even call it a brain fart. It was like, it was like a total meltdown, shutdown blocked out like all my thoughts just crumbled all my knowledge was like it was wiped away um so anyway i apologize to you guys um i hope you guys did you know learn something from that class um you know and for the listeners of course it was a small class but for the listeners um basically what happened was i was educating about oysters and I don't even remember what the question was now. That's how threw off I was. Um, a young lady asked a question about oysters, and I hit a blank. I like I hit a blank, uh, a, a brick wall, and um, it was like I was pulling for the knowledge, and nothing was there. And then I, you know, it just, and I don't know. I froze up after that, and I, I ended up just. Um, I wouldn't even call it bouncing back, but I just changed subjects without, I don't believe I answered a question and, um, you know, talked about something I didn't know. And that's of course shucking. So that kind of loosened me up a little bit, but I do want to do more educational classes. Um, it's nothing I haven't done before. And, you know, that was just a bad experience. I guess everybody has it. Every, you know, person has that time where they just blew it and I did blow it and I'm apologizing now and uh I'm sorry um this episode is all about the nutrition of oysters and why we should eat oysters and I can honestly say and I'm always honestly saying you know if you haven't listened to more than one podcast but um this this podcast episode here I think you guys will you know that aha or that hmm, you know that that factor is going to come in effect and um you know you learn about of course why we should eat oysters uh what we should look for when we go to a raw bar and, and we're eating oysters what vitamins and minerals are inside of oysters and um you know, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but it's it's some funny it's some funny pieces in here, and uh, you know, I kind of felt like a kid at times talking about you know some of the topics. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we're gonna jump in it right now, and I want you guys to meet my friend, uh, Miss Laura Henderson. I guess that's why we probably had a good time doing this show. We uh, worked together back in our days at the local oyster in Baltimore and Mount Vernon and um yeah this is a great young lady she's a nutritionist now doing her thing has her own practice so of course um her information will be in the links below and um let me know what you think the people want to know yeah right I don't have you talked to anybody about Nope. Nutrients and nope. oysters before? Nope, because nope. I was waiting on you. Awesome. I'm excited then. This is my first podcast, so it's a first for me as well. Oh, snap. So, <clears throat> we met working at the local oyster. That was the first time I'd ever shucked an oyster. Right. But you've been doing it for a while. I have. Yeah. I have, yeah. Over, it was like around 10 years now. But it's one of those things, like, I really like food, which I think makes sense because I'm a licensed nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of threw myself into it and did research and was looking at the farms. And I had already written a paper um, for my 
master's program at Maryland University of Integrative Health, mm-hmm. where I was studying while I was working at the local oyster. So I did a paper on like sustainability and local seafood, and oyster farms kept popping up. Right. And I emailed Nick and was like, I need more information because I knew he did that. And he was right. like, talk to Patrick. And so I ended up talking to Nick and Patrick about oysters before I even worked for them. Right. And so then Patrick, True Chesapeake. Yeah, at True Chesapeake. Yeah. Because he was saying, you know, oyster farms are truly sustainable. Um, so that was like the first little nibble I got on like oyster information. But I hadn't even like, I think I'd eaten one. Right. Before I started working there. Wow. Yeah. And what was your, what was your first experience like? So I was at somebody's house, and then, you know, they were barbecuing and whatever, right. and they're like, you gotta try one, you gotta try one, and I was like, okay, it was a total peer pressure, like, right. situation. That's that's one of the methods of getting people to eat oysters. It wasn't my favorite experience, Okay. Um, and then Nick started to, like, make me eat them while we were working. Right, and that's slowly, another method. Yeah, like, he would just, like, open it and give it to me. Right. So, yeah, a little force feeding, but I learned to like it. Yeah. And then now my husband really is addicted to the the cooked ones nice. with the cheese. So oh man, we go on so good. Yeah. yeah, it's very salty and delicious. So does he prefer like broiled or like baked? He likes. So we just put them on the grill. Okay. Like, usually we're like on vacation in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. We've got some friends with us. And we're out back outside, mm-hmm. and I taught the boys to shuck their own oysters, yes, finally. Thank, thanks for the invite. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, you know, we tried to invite Nick, and he was a little too busy. Right. But we just eat oysters all weekend long. Nice. They're like a treat. Sounds like a good time. Um, so, I graduated after um, working at the local oyster, and now I have a private practice in Hamden. I see clients a couple days a week. Okay. Um... So, what does it mean to be a licensed nutritionist? So, I, well, and I have a very specific certification. So, there's a registered dietitian, and they have a specific education. They have to follow certifications, training, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist or a nutritionist. Fancy. So, I have an undergraduate degree in health and exercise science, and then I went to graduate school, and I have a master's degree. And then I had to get a thousand hours of certified work. Yeah, so I had to work underneath other nutritionists and see clients and get experience um, and sit for my board exam. And then I had to take all that information and give it to the state of Maryland and show them so I could get a license to operate. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Deep breath. (laughs) Uh, It's it's been a busy few years. but now I'm learning how to really kind of multitask, I think. Um, but it's it's my passion. Right. So it's not so much work anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, let's talk more about oysters. So yeah. I think when I talk about oysters, people's main concern is like safety. Like my classmates were like, oh, I don't know. Like, right, right. So that is true. Like there are some concerns, but they're relatively small. Um there are parasites known, but they're more harmful to the oyster themselves. Right, right. And I think that's where farming came in, was we saw a lot of oyster die off and then overfishing. Right. So they started farming. And the um, slightly modified oysters that they're farming are different than wild ones, so they're more resistant to these parasites. So that's something... Um, that's just something to keep an eye out about, but that's you can get more information from like the FDA's website whether or not oysters in your area or the water in your area is safe right? to take oysters out of. But farms always test their water as well. Right. I know uh, when I'm shucking at events, that's, that's, you know, if people are not there for oysters, it's always that look, especially if it's summertime, mm-hmm. like, uh, oysters during the summertime, is this right? Can you eat them? Right. The, the months ending. The R month. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was, I'm assuming that was before refrigeration. Right. Um, because you definitely want to keep them on ice. No doubt. Um, or refrigerated at the proper temperature. But every place that's serving oysters, they have those signs. It's like, warning, raw seafood. or right. raw, Like, anybody even serving an undercooked burger has to, like, right. have those signs in an establishment. But as long as you're wearing gloves, washing your hands, and keeping the oysters on ice or refrigerated properly, and you're eating them quickly, like, you get them out of the water and you eat with them within a few days, then you're fine. Right. Um, and you know what the signs are of, like, an oyster you wouldn't serve. Like, yeah. Shriveled up. 
Yeah, like shellfish is pretty easy to see, like the shells open or some smells or that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some bacteria, but they tend to thrive in warmer waters. So when I've done research, it's more of a concern when you're down in the south and the water is warm year round mm-hmm. and bacteria can flourish. But even then, they said it's a really small chance of that incident. Um, so like the EPA and the FDA recommend that at-risk populations don't eat oysters. Right. So we're looking at like really young children. And really mature people. Mature. That's a good way to put it. I was going to say something else. <laughs> uh, because their stomach acid isn't as strong or their immune systems might be compromised. That's another population. If you know you have immune issues, you shouldn't be eating raw seafood um, ever. Cooked might be a different situation you could safely probably consume cooked seafood but just making sure that the seafood is cooked properly and to temperature right um and a lot of times you can just do that at home to make sure okay check the temperature easy enough um so if you're at a raw bar like what kind of precautions can you take like hey these oysters i know this is a raw bar and you guys are established can you ask for tags or can you ask what, what's, what what can an average consumer do? So if I were to walk into some place and they see they're serving raw oysters, I'm going to look and see if I know the person shucking locally. Right. That helps. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yes, I will take oysters from that person that I know because I know that they know what they're doing. But if, say, I were to go out of town and I'm trying a new place, I would totally like... Just peek at people's plates, see what they look like, watch the guy shucking or lady shucking, see are they wearing gloves, what's their workstation look like, like is it is a hot mess or is it clean, are they sanitizing, do they have like a cheeseburger next to like the right. raw, like are they keeping everything the way they're supposed to, Right. Um, and then you can ask for the tags, because legally they're supposed to keep them, what is it? 30 days, some some restaurant, 30 more, some more, like 60, yeah. And- yeah. So they should know exactly when that oyster came out of the water, where it came out of the water from. Um, and those are some things you could totally legitimately do. I don't know, like, what the shucker would do if you asked for a tag, but, like, that's totally within your ability as a consumer. Right. So how many people do you know have, like, regular heartburn and they take, like, a Pepsid? Hand up. Yeah. <laughs> so PPIs, uh, proton pump inhibitors, acid reducers... People take those, like, every day, all day. Popping them. Yeah, so it reduces your um, stomach acid, which is your, like, first line of defense against things that shouldn't be entering your body. So that's something to keep in mind if, like, you've been on a PPI, like, if you take a Pepsid every single day, your stomach acid is reduced. So it could change your body's susceptibility to something in raw seafood. Right, okay. All right. So why why would... I don't know if you know it, but why would your PPI be that high? Is it just like an imbalance? So PPI is the proton pump inhibitor. That's the medication. That's like the jargon for an antacid. Oh, okay. So if you have chronic like heartburn or GERD, your doctor would give you this medication and say, you're just going to be on this indefinitely. Right. But your stomach acid is there to break down things and to protect you. Right. It's like the first step of immune defense. So that, I mean, it would be high. Some people, it's a genetic thing. Some people just tend to have, like, they're, they've had stomach issues. Um, some people, when they get pregnant or when they gain weight, mm-hmm. it physically um, manipulates the position of their stomach. So right. acid can kind of move into an area that it shouldn't be. Story of my life. Yeah. yeah. But diet and uh, weight and lifestyle are big contributors. So if you are stressed out and you're working all the time and you're a little overweight Uh and you're drinking a lot of alcohol and junk food, (laughs) those are all things where you were like not sitting down to eat your meal properly. If you are like not chewing and you're gulping, like those are all things that exacerbate um, like acid reflux symptoms. Wow. We can work on that. I can, I can show you some little <laughs> tips to help your acid reflux. Okay. It's really simple. You can do some like tiny little things to help. But you definitely, those those aren't medications that are going to correct your acid reflux. It's just going to treat the symptoms for right. a long period of time. But that's just something to note. Like, I would like to do more research on that because I wonder if anybody's looked into like safety and stomach acid and taking those medications. Oysters. Yeah. How are they good for you? 
So the big, big heavy hitter in an oyster is zinc. So it's an essential mineral that everybody needs to get in their diet. You can get it from, I think a lot of people are probably getting it from fortified foods. You see like you're eating bread or crackers or cereal and it's fortified with minerals. And one of the reasons is um, the mineral density of our soil and our foods is probably reduced over time. You can find studies that show this. People don't always have access to seafood, which was traditionally a way that we would absorb minerals. The ocean provides minerals, like you look at sea salt, um, and it's got other minerals on it besides sodium okay. and chloride. Um, and then, um, but a big, it's animal meats, beef, poultry, lamb, and but zinc, you can eat four oysters, and you get like four times as much zinc as the FDA re uh, recommends. Oh, wow. So there's something called an RDA, and that is just an abbreviation for Recommended Dietary Allowance. And that is a level set by the government for healthy individuals, how much you should take in. Um, and they say that like the average adult male needs 11 milligrams. And from raw oysters, you get like 35 from oh, four. Okay. So you, you don't, it's almost like a supplement. So when you're going to the oyster festivals and oyster roasts and you're eating... 40 and 50 oysters. You're getting a lot of zinc. So what if you have too much zinc? Is there a such thing? Yes, but that's normally from supplements. Like if you're taking a pill and you're taking a lot of it, mm -hmm. it can cause nausea, diarrhea, headaches, um, vomiting. Like you would know. You're like, I should probably take that. Because you would start taking it and feel it almost immediately if you've taken too much. Wow. Because they've, um, I mean... They've only known that zinc was essential for humans, I think, starting in the 60s, because people in the Middle East were eating a lot of grains. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting into, like, my total nerd phase. <laughs> so there's a thing called phytates in, like, beans and grains and seeds. And it is a protective covering, You can, I guess you can call it. Um, kind of like the germ is the protective covering of a, these grains and seeds. So unless you soak these things and break down the phytates... Wow, so that's why people soak... Uh, okay, I got you. Well, one of the reasons you would like soak brown rice. Right, right. Or beans, like for right. like overnight or six hours. It not only reduces the cooking time, but it makes all of the minerals and nutrients in those foods more, we call it bioavailable, so your body can utilize. Get that out of here. So that's why all over the world you see a lot of uh, populations, the main staple in their diet is like rice and beans... But they're going to cook them for like really long periods of time. They're going to soak them. And they're going to help um, absorb more nutrients out of them. So some of the first studies were zinc supplementation and just soaking. Because they didn't realize that it was something that... They knew that plants and animals needed zinc. But they didn't realize that humans needed it until the 60s. Okay. Yeah, it's really... I think it's super interesting. I don't know if everybody else does. So what does zinc actually do for you? Like, what does it do for the body? It is in a, it's a big player in a lot of um, cellular functions. So some people will say it, it's involved in over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body. That sounds important. So it allows processes to occur. <laughs> it makes them speed up. Um, it's really, so the latest research that I'm reading, which I think is very interesting. You're in it. <laughs> it's, it's super cool. So it has a big part. Uh, it's a, it could potentially be a big part of male fertility. Oh. So. Oh. Um, they did, there's some meta-analysis, so they look at a bunch of research and they kind of summarize what they found. Um, typically, men who are getting enough zinc have higher sperm count. Get that out of here, okay. Um, and it also is a protector of the cells. It's an antioxidant. It's a huge part of your immune system. More and more research, like there's tons of research showing if you start taking zinc when you think you're getting sick, you're going to be sick for a shorter period of time. Wow. So that's, most people think of immune function when they think of zinc. But it has, it protects your cells. It's really important in your eye health, actually. They've done, I say they, researchers have done a lot of research showing that older populations, when taking other antioxidants along with zinc, that their um, eye health improves or the, um, the decrease in like their eye health stops. So right. if you have some degeneration, it can be helpful. It's all coming together now. My last eye exam, my eyes got better for the first time. Really? Now, for the people who only know me through this podcast and shucking, I wasn't a big oyster eater. I'm coming out, all right? I wasn't a big oyster eater. 
Now I'm a believer. I'm, a, I'm in the club. I'm the president. But like, I went to the eye doctor, Mr. Douglas. Uh, your eyes have got a little better. So hey, maybe it's the oysters. Maybe it's not. Uh, maybe I just had a good day. But I'm gonna stick with oysters. That's amazing. That's, That's my testimony. You're preaching the the church of oysters <laughs> now. You're gonna have like a little wagon with like your oysters on the back, like the snake oil guys. No. <laughs> snake oil. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's 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 an, that's amazing. So besides the zinc, though, like they're a good source of protein. If you're eating them raw, you're getting moisture in your diet instead of having to drink everything. Right. But they have other minerals. So they have calcium, iron, phosphorus, potassium, sodium. They actually have a, a fairly decent amount of B12, which people are all about the B vitamins. But what is the B vitamin? What is B12? B12. Um, so B vitamins, it's a class of water-soluble vitamins, meaning your body doesn't store them. So there's fat-soluble and water-soluble. Fat-soluble, your body stores. Um, that's A, D, E, and K. Um, and then there's a myriad of B vitamins. Um, and they're mostly involved in metabolism, energy production. Energy? Yes. Okay. So when people aren't feeling so great... They can sometimes take a B vitamin or increase their dietary B vitamin intake and right. they might feel a little boost in energy levels. I've been preaching this for years, ever since like ever since I started reading about oysters and basically doing oyster events, I'm like, eat an oyster, it'll make you feel better. <laughs> it'll bring your spirits right up. Like as soon as you eat it, like, whew, get that wiggle wiggle. There is get something that special <laughs> about taking something out of the water and then eat it. It's very primal. Like, oh, people yeah. have been eating raw seafood since the dawn of time. Yes. They saw something, they're like, I bet I can eat that, and I they eat it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it's funny, because one of the articles I read was like, we've been doing this for a very long time, but should we continue? Like, is it safe? Who said that? I'll go get them. <laughs> Who said that? But it, I think that, I mean, it, they're one of the more nutrient-dense seafood items you think everybody thinks fish is really healthy uh-huh. i think they think about like the omega-3s zinc i don't think provides a significant source of omega-3s but it's when you're if you're going to eat seafood or shellfish it's definitely up there with one of the healthier ones you can choose okay and what about iron what what exactly like how does that affect you so iron is really important for um prevention of anemia um, and how your red blood cells function. Mm-hmm. So again, if you're feeling fatigued, you might need more iron. Women need more iron than men do because women menstruate and they have blood loss every month. Mm-hmm. Um, again, iron is one of those foods that's going to be in like your fortified foods. Um, so there's fortified and enriched. Um, and fortifying is like adding things to something that already exists and kind of making it, I guess, stronger. Enrichment... Um, they kind of strip the nutrients out of some foods like grains and then re-add them back in. I know. Why would you do that? It sounds crazy, right? What's up with natural? I know. So it's a little... So processed food is processed and Hold sometimes on. they add some synthetic forms of supplements back into foods. I'm mind blown. Like, what? I don't know if you know, but what's that process? Like, how do you take out nutrients and then put back in? So here's an example, and I, I can't get into the specifics, but this is something that kind of... I didn't think about it until I got into school was steel cut oats versus rolled oats. So steel cut, you know, it takes like a really long time to cook. Mm-hmm. They're kind of in their more organic form. Like you've done less to them. Like right. They've just been kind of chopped up and opened up and you can cook them. Rolled oats are taking the steel cut oats and this is a mechanical process where they like steam them and then roll them out. So they're flat like that. Get the. So they've already been, they're going through an extra process. Now, how does that affect the nutrient density? I would have to do more research about that. But that mm-hmm. was something that kind of like, I didn't even think about until somebody asked me what the difference was. Right, right. So think about every time you're getting some sort of grain product, whether it's rice or bread, and you have to think, it grew in the ground, but how did they grow it? And after they grew it, what did they do to it? Between the ground, that first product, and my plate, like, it goes through a lot of hands. Right. So it's okay. interesting. But when you go get an oyster, you can go talk to Nick and Patrick and be like, where did this oyster come from? And they're like, St. Jerome's Creek. And it came out yesterday. Right, right. Yeah. So it's a huge okay. difference in the food chain. 
Boom, mind blown. All right. I know. Yeah, I, I would encourage more people to ask, not only about seafood, just to ask in general about where their food's coming from. But that's your job also. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Talk to the farmers at the farmer's market. Right. Go visit the farms. Go visit the hatcheries where your food is being grown. Field trip coming soon. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I haven't made it to any oyster farms yet. I'm going to do that um, this summer. I talked to a chef. And so chefs get together to have these associations, and they go on field trips, and they go with the DNR, and they go see oyster reefs. Because chefs want to know where their food is coming from. Right. Because whatever they're putting out, that's your their reputation on the line. They don't want a bad oyster on a plate. Right. Just like a chef doesn't. But zinc is that big one. It's water and zinc. And then I looked, I compared raw oysters and cooked oysters, and the nutrient density doesn't really change significantly. Um, it goes down ever so slightly. So if you don't like a raw oyster... Go ahead and enjoy a nice broiled oyster. Put mm-hmm. them on the grill. Wait till the shell opens up. You can just pop them. So now we're talking about cooking classes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I love that. I love, <laughs> I've done some cooking demonstrations, and that's fun when you can cook for somebody. Right. And you can provide them with a food that tastes good, and then you're like, hey, guess what? You're also getting all of these nutrients that you need. Um, like zinc, an essential nutrient and mineral. Like, you need that in your diet. Ooh. So we've talked about zinc. Right, we've talked about zinc. What are you doing? We want to have a little experiment. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah, sure. I've done this with many people. Nobody's died yet. Oh, my gosh. I'm kidding. People die all the time. Could this be the episode that nobody hears? (laughs) So what I've just poured is zinc tally, and this is from Metagenics. So nutritionists use this as a little um, test with their clients, and it kind of... I think it's super cool and it kind of blows my mind. So it's just a liquid zinc um, and I'm going to have Gardner and I'm going to drink it too because I've been taking zinc uh, supplements so it's going to tell me if I'm taking enough. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put it in our mouths. Okay. We're going to swish it around for a few seconds. Swish, swish. If it tastes terrible, you can spit it back out into your cup or you can swallow it. And then after a few seconds, I want you to tell me if you taste anything or any sensations. Hold, hold on. So we're going to swish it around. Yeah. And then if it tastes yucky, spit it out. Yeah, if it's like awful, some people say it tastes terrible, you can spit it back into your cup. But if not, swallow it. Yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. You don't have to swallow it, you don't have to spit it out, it's totally up to you. Okay. But I want you to tell me if you there's any sensations, if there's any te- like tastes. Okay. And I'm going to do it too. You ready? Hold on, i got to call my wife. <laughs> She'll Alright, let's go. Tastes like water. So, if you have really good zinc status, it should taste terrible. Oh, gosh. You should want to spit it out. Oh, man. So, it's a little at, like, in-office test to show that we all need more zinc than we're getting. Mostly. I've had, like, maybe two people ever Mm -hmm. say they can taste it. Right. Um, And I've been supplementing with zinc. So, the average adult male needs 11 milligrams. An average adult female needs 8 milligrams. I've been taking this supplement, so I broke my wrist in December, Uh and I've been taking um, a little bit more care of myself, so I've been taking some extra supplements. I've been taking 50 milligrams, which is 300% of your daily need. There we go. Every single day. And I still can barely taste anything when I take the zinc tally test, because when you are really stressed out and you're running around and you're working, your body needs a little bit more help. and I don't even know who's to say how much of this supplement I'm actually absorbing. That's another question right. when you're supplementing. So maybe I just need to eat more oysters. It's exactly. Duh. So <laughs> you, you, you said, um, so how much zinc can you get out of oysters? Um, so four of them you get, um, let's see, I have it right here. 33 milligrams out of four oysters. And you only need, at most, 11 milligrams. Okay. So, really, if you ate oysters every day, you should be pretty good. And I, it's more bioavailable from natural sources, from foodborne sources. Animal sources are more bioavailable. We talked about you having to soak the grains mm-hmm. the beans. So, there's some things that, like the phytates that attach to the zinc and keep you from absorbing it. Right. Whereas in the animal sources, it's more bioavailable. 
So if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, you really need to soak your grains before you cook them, your beans before you cook them, and maybe look into a zinc supplement. Okay. So uh, one thing, hashtag eat more oysters. There you go. Just want everybody to hear that. Eat more oysters. The nutritionist said it, okay? It helps your sperm count. <laughs> it's natural. It's natural. But pregnant women shouldn't be eating raw oysters, I'll say that. So after you get pregnant, the lady should abstain until after she's done giving birth. And then I would even be cautious if you are breastfeeding because whatever, you know, you're putting into your body. Right. So I'm going to say this. I didn't really think that not eating oysters was a thing until I moved into the city. Okay. Because on the shore... The Eastern Shore. Everybody. Everybody just eats oysters. Interesting. Because I grew up... So, the last place I lived was North Central Pennsylvania before I moved to Mm -hmm. Maryland. Right. And, like, we... I never saw fish on our plate at home. Okay. Let alone an oyster or a mussel or a clam. I think my dad would eat clams, like, once a year. So, moving to Maryland was a whole new experience for me. Yeah, blast of seafood. And I have embraced it. <laughs> I love it. Right. Oh my, I love everything. So, I think that I think the zinc and the sperm count must be to blame for that aphrodisiac label. And then I was reading in my textbook, the textbook literally has a picture of a woman eating a piece of chocolate saying, chocolate has zinc. And chocolate's an aphrodisiac, too. It is. So I just thought that was a really cool connection that zinc, aphrodisiacs, eat more chocolate and oysters. So. Not together, though. That's gross. Right. Um, I don't know much about sperm count. That's a little fancy. (laughs) So So if you're trying to get pregnant, that's something you would check if you were having some issues. Right. You would want more. My question is. My question, my awkward question is, so if you have a high sperm count, are you more horny, horny or? I don't think so. I think. It's just as far as baby making. Yeah, baby making, like lower sperm count. So zinc is involved in testosterone levels as well. Okay. Yeah. And um, something called hypogonadism. Gonad. That sounds. Yes. 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 (laughs) So we're getting into weird, weird territories, but. That sounds provocative. Scientifically speaking. Men need testosterone to produce offspring. Right. And they need sperm. So you need your sperm counts to be up. You need good testosterone levels. These are all things that a doctor can tell you when you're trying to have children. Right. They can test all this stuff. Um, So it's interesting now that they have research. They basically went and asked a bunch of men for their... And then would look at it (laughs) and see what was going on. And then supplement with zinc to see what the results were. And most often, the sperm count would go up after zinc supplementation. All right. Easy enough. There you go. That should be enough motivation for the men of the world. That's like another hashtag. Eat more oysters. Yeah. Oh. If you want the babies. Yes. Well. Yeah. I mean, I can go in even greater detail about... Some of the minerals that are in oysters besides zinc. Are any of them going to help us out? Oh, yeah. I mean, so a big one is phosphorus. You get 80 milligrams of phosphorus. Um, The RDA is 700 milligrams a day. And that's, so a cool fact is 1% of your body weight is phosphorus. It's the most abundant mineral in the body. Oh, wow. Yeah. So use it mostly in bone and your teeth, um, but it works along with the B vitamins as well, and it's a part of, it's important for kidney function, muscle contractions, a normal heartbeat, so right. the electrical functioning of your body. Wow, eat more oysters. Yeah, right? Oh my so gosh. yeah, totally mineral dense. Um, and we talked about the B12, it's got seven micrograms of B12, four oysters, and the RDA is only 2.6. So it really is like, you know how they talk about superfoods? Right, right. Like, there's always, like, some doctor on TV, like, eat goji berries or chia seeds right. or collagen powder. Nobody's ever talked about oysters. It's, like a it's time for a change. Dr. Gardner's going to get on TV. I'm going to... I can't get my top secret secret out now because, yeah, everybody's listening. So, I'm not... I'm just going to leave it there. You guys, just wait and see about this superfood we call oyster. <laughs> um, that's great. 
Um, so what about calories? People always talk to me about like cal- calories and oysters. Like, So let's see, six medium oysters that's providing you all those nutrients, you're only getting 43 calories. So they're not like, if people are calorie counting, they shouldn't be concerned with over consuming calories when they're snacking on oysters. And people generally eat like six to 12 anyways. Right. So you're only looking at 40 to 80 calories if, even if you ate a plate of 12. Not including any of the extra toppings. Right, that's right. But usually it's fresh. Horseradish, lemon juice, Mm -hmm. onions, things that are pretty low in calories. Does horseradish have any nutritional value? Um, Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But I know it's more considered like a culinary herb or like a spice, something you would use Mm -hmm. either to flavor your dish. But it's also so those kind of like very warming things, so the capsaicin from peppers and horseradish... People use those in a way medicinally, potentially, I'm going to assume, mm-hmm. because peppers have been used in that way. You know, when you eat the horseradish, your sinuses open up, so right. it's probably a vasodilator, so increased blood flow. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ayurveda. Of course I have. Who hasn't? So the ancient <laughs> Indian like medicinal and health practice, it combines yoga and diet and lifestyle oh, yeah. changes. So in Ayurvedic, you want a good... Um, like warm fiery belly so you can digest your food so some people need more fire in their life does that mean like spicy or sometimes um there's like warming foods and cooling foods and it's very it's not it's not literal it's not like oh "Oh, this food is hot and spicy so i need more of it but things that are good for your intestinal health sometimes add a little warmth if people have a hard time digesting food sometimes they need a little warmth Sometimes they're too fiery and they need a little cooling. Okay. So I don't know that oysters were eaten in India. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But I don't know where they would fit into that spectrum of food. Right. But typically you see things like duck is cooling. Like there's different ways to cook foods and create different benefits from the things that are already existing in them. Okay. Look at that fanciness. <laughs> no doubt. What else we got so we talked about phytates, we talked about zinc and minerals, we talked a lot about sperm, <laughs> talked about the risks. Let's talk about you. Okay. So what's, what's your long-term goal like as a nutritionist and on this healthy thing? So I have my private practice and most nutritionists I know, they have multiple things that they're doing at once. Like they're teaching, um, they're working in their private practice, they also have like a full-time job. So it's never... I've never met a nutritionist that's just like, I go to work Monday through Friday and then it's, it, it's done. So what I would like to do is see more clients um, on a private practice like a couple days a week. But I also work for MUIH in the cooking labs. MUIH, what is that? Maryland University of Integrative Health. So we have cooking labs every month and I help set them up with the instructor. We bring students in that are future nutritionists. And we teach them how to prepare therapeutic foods from just basic knife skills up to making their own bone broth and their own therapeutic meals for their clients. Um, And I'd like to do that for a while. It's really interesting. I work with a lot of chefs that are really talented. Mm -hmm. A lot of the chefs are also nutritionists. And they're just people that always keep learning. Like they're always going and learning more. So it's a great atmosphere of support and learning. So just to keep my private practice going, taking new clients... And then see if I like working for a university, maybe go back in in a different capacity Mm -hmm. because we have a natural care center at the university. So people can come in and get acupuncture from a student. Acupuncture. Yes, herbs prescribed by a student. They can see a student nutritionist. They even now have licensed massage therapists in our uh, care center. Um, And it's all at a discounted rate because... Most of it. I'm not sure. The massage therapists, I don't think, are students, so that might not be discounted. But right. you can see a nutritionist for $80 as opposed to $300 right. because it's a student. Right. So it's a really cool thing to start with if you've never seen anybody. A great way. I'm going to go get acupuncture because I can get it as an employee of the university at a discounted rate. Can you bring a friend? <laughs> <laughs> Friends and family discount, please. Um, And that's in Laurel. So if anybody's in that area and they're looking for maybe some more information. Laurel, Maryland. mm -hmm, About health and wellness, that's a great place to start because you're helping the students. They need practice hours and they're always supervised by professionals. 
but then you get to ask them questions and challenge them and you get to learn more and then you get to feel the outcomes of that lovely treatment. So what exactly, what is acupuncture and what are the benefits of acupuncture? So it is kind of in vain with Ayurveda that it's this ancient tradition and it was originally like an oral history that was passed down among people. Um, this school was started, I believe, in the 70s. Uh, the founders went to the UK and did some studies and then brought acupuncture back. And it was one of the first schools in the area. You're talking about the MUIH? Yeah. Okay. It was formerly known as Thai Sophia. And it was an acupuncture school. So they take very tiny uh, needles. And it's not like the syringe that they use to inject like a vaccine. You can barely see these things. But can you barely feel them? Um, it depends on where they're putting them. <laughs> it's really interesting. So you have like a little entrance interview with the acupuncturist and you say, I have migraines or I have trouble sleeping. And you talk about how your body feels. And then they do like a cleansing um, where they, when I went in, they did a, a bunch of points in my back just to kind of prepare my body for treatment. And you go back every couple of weeks and the acupuncturist says, well, how are you feeling today? What's going on with you? And I would say, oh, man, I'm really like stressed out. I don't feel good. And she would take your pulses or heat. So they use their fingers and they take um, pulses in different parts of your wrist. And they're, it's kind of their test to see how your energy is flowing through your body or chi. And then they would base their treatment upon what you said and your pulses. And so I would get, very often my acupuncturist puts the needles in my ankles and my feet. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes in my chest. If I can't settle down, she'll put one between my eyes. What do you mean, settle down? Like if I, my brain is like, they call it monkey brain, where I can't like calm down and I'm like running through my grocery list of things to do. She'll put one right between my eyes. How does that feel? It feels, you don't feel that one at all. The ones that have not felt so great, she put one in my sternum. And there's like a bone right there so that it wasn't, but you say that doesn't feel comfortable and they take it out. But you've already gone through that. It's not that bad. It's not that. It's not bad. The knees, the sides of my knees, that kind of hurt. She put one in my toe once. I showed up with a hangover, and she did the hangover <laughs> point. I was like, I'm scared. So right. she was like, All right, just breathe out when I put it in, because they ask you to breathe in and then breathe out, and they put it in. Sounds relaxing. Um, mostly, yeah. That one, in, and sometimes they take, they just put them in, and then they pull them right out. Okay. Some of them they leave in, and they'll leave the room, and you kind of sit with the needles in your body. Are, are you in like a like a steam room or are you just in like a regular room? or? It's the same kind of room a massage therapist would use. So there's like a bed and it's just a small little room and they have a little cupboard for all their needles and they might have other things going like some herbs and some crystals and whatnot. So is it like a whole pack of like one-use needles or what? So they, yeah, they use them and then they discard them in a, a safe box like you would do with the biohazard stuff at a doctor's office. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so it's all safe and clean. I highly recommend it. It's a great um, way to integrate other practices and modalities if you're seeing a nutritionist to see an acupuncturist. If you're trying to lose weight and you're doing yoga, that's a great way to tie everything in. Wow. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Like, they look at your tongue and they, yeah, it's super cool. What does your tongue tell you? So, in, um, <laughs> in acupuncture, it says different things. Like, as a nutritionist, I would look at your tongue and I would look for, like, yeast overgrowth and cracks and different, like, waves in the side. And it's just signs of, like, you might have a food intolerance or maybe you have a yeast overgrowth or maybe you're dehydrated. Right. Yeah. What do the cracks mean? Because I think I got a couple cracks in my tongue. Um, nice. That's different. So I forget. They call it like a geographic tongue. And I can't quite remember exactly what that potentially means. Am I going all over the world? <laughs> Your tongue has been <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Uh, all right. But if you have like a color on your tongue, it means like maybe you're having a little bit too much sugar and carbohydrates in your diet. Or maybe your body just can't process them pr properly. Right. But that's something, again, like with the zinc, you can look at somebody's fingernails. Mm -hmm. And if they have big white spots or lines in their nails... That might be a sign that they need more zinc in their diet. I get those occasionally, too, even after I supplement. Right. Um, I had Nick take this zinc tally test. He came to be one of my practice clients. And he was like, why can't I taste it? But I was told by one, another practitioner, it does take a while for you to bring like your zinc um, status up again into the better levels. Okay. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about your practice um, as far as what you do with clients. So I send them some paperwork because I want to get their full health history. Um, and it's about 10 to 15 pages of questions. Nice. Which usually deters some people. And I really want to know everything from when you were conceived to current day because everything has had an influence on your current health. And we go through this timeline, and we go through your medications, and we go through any procedures you've had done, and what doctor do you currently have, what supplements are you, everything. And we go through this questionnaire, the first sit-down we have, and then from there, we make little tiny adjustments in lifestyle and diet. So I might just send somebody home and say, take a nap every day. Like, you need to relax, like, calm down. Or I might say, all right, you're really nutrient-deprived. I assume, based on your diet, go get some blood work done by your doctor to see what your vitamin D level is so we can supplement with vitamin D. And then I might be like, well, let's, here's a recipe. Why don't you try making this kind of salad because it has this kind of green in it? And I might ask people to stop eating some things. But usually I say, let's add some more stuff into your diet. I'm not like, no sugar, no <laughs> fat. Like, right. I tell people usually to eat more fat, just a different kind. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's not scary. Yeah. Most people think um, uh, going to the nutritionist is like going to the doctor and it's going to be scary. It, okay. <laughs> not, I'm not mean. I'm nice. No, you are very nice. You are very nice. And nobody wants to be hungry. I try not to let people go hungry. So would you ever tell me to, hey, you might be drinking too many beers. Oh, I mean, that's something that's very sensitive. You have to be careful how you phrase it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will show up because it's a source of major source of calories. So if somebody comes to me and they say they're trying to lose weight, but they're having a lot of beer every weekend with their buddies. Or every night. I'm going to be like, well, so this is going to be a major barrier to your success. Right. And then I have to ask the person, what do you think we can do to change, you know, some things or what are some things you think you can do to help reach your goals because everybody knows to a degree what they need to do to help themselves I'm just here to kind of help them through the process right so is it possible I'm asking for a friend by the way uh, to work out mm. and still indulge in uh, alcoholic beverages um, it depends what your goals are because alcohol really depletes nutrients it keeps your body from producing protein. So if you're working out at the gym and you're lifting weights and then you have some beer at the end of the day, you're really kind of counteracting all the rebuilding of new pro- uh, protein and muscles. Right. So if you really, like, you want to see some major changes, you want to feel really good, I would say zero alcohol. Like, right. if you really want to see some major benefit. Or if you are going to drink, it has to be within moderation. Men, um, government standards say like one to three beverages at most, and then it's considered binge drinking after that. Get out of I know it's that's really... the same thing I told that friend who asked that. You know, I knew that. Yeah. But you know, I'm just asking for him or her. We're not going to yeah. call any names. Well, it, and it's all part of just building like new habits, and sometimes your friends' habits kind of bleed into your life. So. But not mine. They don't. But not yeah, your life. Yeah. Other people's lives. Right. But even just putting on your sneakers and going for a walk or having a cup of water in between your alcoholic beverages, those are just some small steps you can make to improve your health but get a little bit closer to your goals. Because nobody, it's not sustainable to say, tomorrow I'm cutting out all sugar and alcohol and like I'm going on a low carb diet. Like, you're going to go crazy. Right. And you're going to go like, go get your snack foods and your beer and like binge on it. Typically that's what happens. Wow. No deprivation. That's not fun. But slow little tiny changes is usually how. And then eventually it turns into just lifestyle. Right. And you're this healthy person working out, eating your oysters. Eating my oysters, getting my getting my zinc on. Alright, so I think we got the best of all worlds here. We learn about nutrition. We learn about acupuncture. Hmm. We learned about sperm counts. Oh, my. (laughs) And um, I just want to thank you for uh, letting me talk to you, and thank you for sharing your knowledge. You're very welcome. Come back anytime. I'll come back. The coffee was great. Uh, (laughs) 
Thanks, Gardner. All right. All right, good people. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Learn a little bit more about the nutrition of oysters and why we should eat oysters. And, you know, I even got something out, you know, the acupuncture. You know, it's something that I've always wanted to try. Or I'm not going to say I wanted to try, but that I always thought was interesting. And, um, you know, maybe I will try it out one of these days, get the guts and get stuck. Or maybe not. Who knows? Uh, again, I want to thank you guys for listening and I also have a little gift for you guys. I want to, um, give you guys some Oyster Ninja podcast oyster knives. And, um, so I'm gonna give it to the first five people who send me an email. Uh, the first five people who send me an email you get a oyster knife, oyster ninja podcast, oyster knife. So shoot me an email. Tell me something you like about the show. Tell me something you dislike about the show, uh, in the email, and I'll uh, shoot your uh, shoot your oyster knife. Uh, don't worry about shipping. I got you. I appreciate you guys for listening. I thank you guys for you know sticking with me uh, through everything, and uh, let's let's uh, let's sweeten the pot. So if you shoot me an email and tell me something you like and dislike about the show, um, you'll get an oyster knife. If you shoot me an email and you leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, whatever uh, platform you listen to it on, uh, just hit a screenshot and send me a picture of it and I'll send you an oyster button also. You'll get an oyster knife and an oyster button. So, uh, again, thank you guys for, uh, you know, tuning in, listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, oh, and I wanted to also tell you about my experience with uh, oysters this week, actually. Uh, nothing to do with the oyster class, but uh, I was feeling a little sick and my throat was still a little raspy, but um, I ate some oysters. I ate uh, two dozen oysters, you know. Believe it or not, I did. I threw them in the oven. I didn't eat them raw. I just, you know, got the got the cold off them a little bit, let them pop open. And I promise you, like instantly, soon as I ate those two dozen oysters, you know, I it it put a little energy in my body. I started feeling a little better. You know, my my head, you know, the headache came down. That's just the power of oysters. I'm just. I'm going to leave it on the oysters and, you know, a prayer sent up because I just really wasn't feeling it. But um, the oysters, guys, I'm trying to tell you, they're magic. They're like abracadabra and anything can happen. Uh, but, yeah, that's just my experience with the oysters this week. Tune in next time. And uh, I think the next episode is going to be with world famous R. Murphy. Yep, R. Murphy Knives. I got those guys coming up in the queue. So uh, keep tuning in. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Oyster Ninja PC, uh, the traveling raw, the traveling raw bar. Sorry guys, uh, s dot s dot shucking, and um, yeah, stay tuned. And uh, I guess that's it. Just stay tuned. Peace.